Welcome back to the Not Dead Yet podcast. I'm John Mason Brink. I'm here with Tim. Whoa! Tim, how you doing? I'm trying to regain my eardrums right now. That's what I'm doing. Happy Earth Day, JP. That's right. Earth Day, Friday, April 22nd. We are excited. We are excited, Tim. Earth Day. I'm excited. Obviously, it's a it's a big focus of our industry, uh, sustainability. Um, certainly, those we had a conversation earlier today with another manufacturer and talking about uh, water savings and stuff like that. So, yes, uh, sustainability and um, Earth Day is important to our business sector. And I'm looking forward to our guest. It's somebody we haven't talked to in quite some time. And beyond just a manufacturing partner that we've worked with in the past, I think it's safe to say she's also a good friend. Yeah, it was, you know, when you talk about Earth Day, I don't think there's a person on earth that I, you know, respect and um, I'm just happy to have on. She's like my favorite person on earth. Let's bring her in. Ingrid Matson. Ingrid, come on. How you doing? Oh my God. I'm so excited to be talking to you both. And you're calling it Earth Day. I call it Earth Month. As a matter of fact, let's call it Earth Year. <laughs> yeah. But- I, I, I was wondering like, why isn't every day Earth Day? Why don't we take the earth seriously every day? That's a good it point. Should be. It should be. It's so great to see you both. You look fabulous. Well, thanks. Yeah, you do too. You do too. Thank so you. we're we're excited. Before we get into all the you know the Earth Day stuff, I, there's a couple of questions I got to ask you. Sure. You recently saw our, our mutual friend Derek Moore with <gasps> Nectar at, wow. uh, in Minneapolis. How was that concert? That was brilliant. Honestly, yeah. it was like going to see the Rolling Stones, except we personally know Mick Jagger. It was <laughs> yeah. amazing. Um, I was so, so impressed, and Derek is rocking it, as well as his band. They've been together for so long, and the music is so, you know, I really feel like it really helped me to hear it live, because I just heard it on a very different level, the way, um, the different, the compositions, it moves so much, there's so many different movements in each song, and beautiful. You can see where other, I think he's influenced a few other rock musicians that are the, the famous ones that we know out there. Yeah, and speaking of music, we understand you're in a band and you, you sing am. in a band. So five that's pretty speed. cool. Dude, Tell us five about five speed. speed. Yeah. Well, it's a great group of musicians and they're they're just it was serendipity how we all came together. Let's <laughs> put it that way. But we're having a great time rocking it on some songs. We do Heart, we do Judas Priest, we go back to some old days like the Beatles and the Beach Boys. Ooh. We have some great female artists such as uh, well, Hart, of course, and and Bonnie Raitt, Linda Rodstad, Blondie. So oh, as you can, you can get whiplash from the the kind of music we play. It's all over the place, but we have a lot of fun. And you know, after the pandemic, I think people are happy to get out and see and yep. hear live music and get out and dance a little. So I just it's bringing me such joy to be able to be a, a part of this. You know, our good friend John oh. Barba was one who said to me, she never met a mic she didn't like. And yeah. now I'm able to do it big time with the singing. That's, I'm having a great awesome. time. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Can you do a little uh, Barracuda? Ooh, Barracuda. <laughs> yeah, that's the one that we're, we're actually focusing on right now. It's, <laughs> it's tough. It's a, it's a little bit of a workout, but it's good. Oh, yeah. 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 Ann Wilson. Mm-hmm. Throwing, yeah, throwing she's amazing. Ch- 
throwing some Janis Joplin or some Joni Mitchell, and I'm a happy camper. Oh, believe me, I love Joni. I could attempt Janis. She's a whole other level of category. I don't. I don't think I can get that scratchy as, that as raspy she is. voice. Yeah, raspy, brilliant voice of hers. But I do love her. Well, Ingrid, you know we've known you for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. You know we've been in the industry. You know Tim and I for probably 20 plus years each. And, you know, we've always seen you at trade shows and different mm-hmm. events. Upanor is, is held. Um, they even had their, you know, their Upanor event in Las Vegas every other year. And just always good to see you and, um, you know, talk with you. And, you know, in your former position, you were like this communications and advertising person. And now you've moved into this, this, you know, this realm of sustainability and you are the director of brand and sustainability. Take us through what what you're doing now with Upanor. I'll be happy to. Let me just say that I loved the time getting to know you both and really getting out there from a media perspective and communications, um, getting having you get to know Upanor and what we're doing through the years. Um, and now there's a brilliant team headed by Patty Winger taking care of communications, and they're doing a bang-up job, social media, with all the, the engagement marketing stuff. So really excited to be working and close by with them, but they've got all that, and they're doing a taking what we did and bringing it to the next level. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, this isn't new to me either because I was part of an original green team. About 20 years ago, I went to a green conference put on by NAHB, and it was before cell phones. And I remember yeah. going to a session and then running out in the hall on the payphone and calling Dale Stroud, who was my boss at the time, saying, Dale, Dale, we, we've got to get involved in this. And I'd go to the next one. I'd go back to the payphone. Dale, just learned about this. So it turns out there was four of us. It was Dale, myself, Aaron Smith, who was in sales, and Rusty Callier, who was heading up operations. And the four of us put together this ad hoc green team. And mm-hmm. we would do little things, you know, put in a recy- office recycling and Rusty, from an operations perspective, was looking at energy efficiency and water saving opportunities. So the four of us were just doing all of this stuff on our own for a long time and giving our bosses information about what was happening before it came really quite formalized. So this isn't new to me, but I'm happy to say over the years, sustainability has become part of corporate strategies. And with that, I moved into um, overseeing the the North American uh, sustainability strategy. So from a grassroots effort to an actually more of a structured corporate effort. It's really thrilling to see it all, you know, explode like this, actually. Ingrid, from a corporate strategy standpoint, you know, we talk in big picture here. How does that trickle down to the end user? An end user in the biggest scope is what everybody can do to help to um, lower our carbon footprint, right? Not to be contributing to the heating of the earth, so to speak, helps everyone, all of us as individuals. If we're looking at end users in our world, such as the, you know, the people who live in our buildings, obviously we want to have um, more sustainable solutions with regards to energy savings, water savings. So that's an important part of it too. And along the way, we help our customers who are the ones who need this information. How do we help them build to green building standards, right? How do we help them be able to design in a way that that works the best so that their buildings produce the efficiency and the comfort that they're uh, the people that are buying those buildings want to live in. Yeah. What, what you know? What is Upener's leadership position on sustainability? Take take us through some of the, you know, the important aspects of you know some initiatives that Upener is is bringing to the forefront with sustainability and and you know being a better steward to the to the environment. 
Yeah. Well, just specifically your question on leadership. Let's start with that because we can. I can tell you more specifically what's happening at Oopnor. But with regards to leadership, I'm really grateful that our, our leadership believes in it, invests in it, understands that if we want to be a business that's a contributor and not a taker, then we have to be working with sustainability um, principles. I mean, I can just tell you that from the CEO, which we have now, Michael Rautikos, he's our new CEO. He came in saying that you know sustainability is a big part of our our, our um, strategy as we go forward, and I feel it in our meetings all the time. You know, it's it's part of what we're doing to make sure that we uh, produce products at a at a very efficient way that we're not mm-hmm. wasting energy on that, that we're also looking at our packaging, you know, I mean, I can go into more of the details later, but I just really wanted to define for you that the leadership is really supporting our efforts. You know, one of the sustainability gurus that I like to follow is Andrew Winston, and he really talks about the role of business in our society today. We have a unique and important role. In particular, how do we help with regards to climate change and these rising temperatures? And Mm -hmm. he and um, a co-author, Paul Palman, who used to be with um, Unilever, have asked some core questions in their new book called Net Positive. And the question is, is the world better off because your business is in it? And I really think that that would be a great question for all leaders everywhere. And I'm going to keep pushing our leadership to be thinking about that um, as we plan our strategy. Is the world better because we're in it? And I think that our leaders are already sort of asking that. They want to be contributing and be part of the solution and not part of the problem. Yeah. And when you talk about the business, um, you know, it trickles down to the employees, too. How, how are they um, involved or made aware of some of these initiatives? Well, they're, they're so aware, right? The younger generation mm-hmm. coming in today. And so one of the several new employees that have come in have specifically said to me, I joined this company because of your sustainability efforts. That's not to say there are other aspects that they weren't looking for. There's a lot of good coming out of Upanor all the time. But I will just say that sustainability was a factor in their decision making. And they know that we believe in good stewardship and they do. So they see what's happening firsthand with regards to climate change, the socioeconomic results of this phenomena, and the future is their concern. And so they're alarmed. And so they want to have demanding more and more change. So, and I also think that when they see what's happening in our world and all the things that we offer employees as, as uh, sustainability efforts, they get a certain amount of pride. They feel motivated. They feel glad to be working for a company that wants to um, make changes in the world. And I think that's huge for the brand. So I'm really excited about the fact. And how we let them know is we're continually communicating. We do it through our SharePoint site. We do it through presentations. We do it through things like this, letting yeah. them know that we're letting people know that sustainability is high on the agenda at Open Or. Yeah, I mean, I, I always see every year that uh, Upnor is one of the best places to to work in uh, Minnesota, and I, I got to believe that that's part of it—the sustainability and, and the you know the progressiveness of the company. I agree. Through, <laughs> you know, I think it's also a caring culture, and our leadership has shown that it's a very caring. They took really good care of us all through COVID, starting with wonderful communications, letting us know what was happening, why I think they, they were doing certain things. And then on top of that, they have great care in how we're going back to work. We're having a flexible first situation that um, they've worked hard on the leadership to be able to allow employees to either come back as full-time employees or to come back as hybrid so that you can pick 
you know, the amount of days that you want to be in the office um, and feel like you're not. So they'll have a hybrid capability for being able to be online while others are in person. So employees have to know that they're appreciated, respected and cared for. And that's just good common sense, good HR practices, et cetera. But it does fall under the sustainability umbrella as well. I'm sure you both are aware that sustainability at its foundation is all about people, planet, and profit, right? It's the balance of those three. I mean, I think it's so brilliant, if not poetic. It's so simple in nature about that balance, but it's really, really critical. And people is a big part of it. You can't force any of the others at the expense of people or of the planet or of the profitability. We need all three to be in balance. And that's what I love about sustainability. It's so much beyond just the four walls of a business. It's how we interact in the world and with each other. Speaking of that balance, there's a lot of data out there to collect. I mean, there's tons and tons of data, some of it that argues against the other. How do you decipher, you know, collect that data, decipher it, and really use that to Give voice to what you're out there preaching. Yeah, data is just so critical in the world of sustainability. I mean, it is all about measurement, isn't it? How do we prove that we're making improvements and processes are getting us to a better place without data? It's the only way to do it. I just have to give a shout out to a colleague of mine, Chrissy Olson, who's our sustainability manager, and she lives and breathes data. I think she's happiest when she's in an Excel spreadsheet. And so um, she's really working hard, both with people in North America, as well as people around the world to make sure that we're capturing the right data and the same data. So there's consistency. And on a global level, we have to make sure that we're doing it at the the right stuff at the right time so that we're all in alignment. Um, So consistency is key. And I would say to you that it's also the right mechanisms or databases to catch the information And I think really constant communications. You have to really be talking back and forth. It's not like we just check in once every six or eight months. It is a constant thing to make sure that everybody's aware and we can keep on top of it. So, uh, Ingrid, you you mentioned that you're on the road in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, Big shout out to the Badgers. No, (laughs) but... um, With things opening up as far as, you know, COVID is concerned, I I imagine you're traveling a little bit more and, um, you know, getting out there a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, actually, not so much travel yet. That probably is more still under communications and PR and media world. There's a lot to do right at home, so I'm staying pretty close. Um, Okay. I think the typical day is there's a lot of meetings. Sometimes they start early because, as you know, we're, we're open. Our headquarters is in outside of Helsinki in Finland. So we start on our earlier day to meet with our global friends. And oh, yeah, that's a good point. On the brand team, and I sit on a glo- global brand and global sustainability efforts. So a lot of meetings with our colleagues in Europe. And the good news is we're just all people everywhere. We're all that's struggling right. with the it, same... It, challenges and issues. So it's wonderful to be able to learn from each other, have best practices. And then uh, Chrissy and I might be meeting on some initiative that we're working on right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have a commitment to the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, which are SDGs. And so what we did is a materiality study. And that's something where you find out what's the most important things to our stakeholders that they feel that Upanor has a, a role in. So there are 17 SDGs, and we picked four that we're working on. So clean water and sanitation, which means we're always looking at our water, how we're using it, the efficiency, the cleanliness of it, et cetera. We're also looking at decent 
work in economic growth, which is really pertains for us to our supply chain, making sure we have a reputable supply chain. So we work on sur- surveys with our supply chain area and make sure that um, our supply chain is aware and able to do the right thing. We have responsible consumption and production. So there's a lot of things to be done with our operations folks to help us make sure that we're working as efficiently as we can. And the last one is climate action, which is again about lowering our own carbon footprint. Um, We're committed to our science-based targets, which means that we want to have progress by the year 2030, looking, you know, so we have a timeline of things that need to happen within our factories to make sure that we're on on time for that. We, um, you know, we run our, our, factory and our operations in North America on 100% renewable energy. So there's conversations with energy companies to make sure that's happening as well as our operations folks. I will say also a big part of what we do is working with our HR department because they're always interested in making sure our employee population is safe and feels included. So we have a strong DE&I, the diversity, equity, inclusivity policies and procedures and then lastly, I'll just also talk about our community relations efforts also run on, through HR. We're investing in the community in which we live and work. And that means that we give each employee 24 hours of volunteer time off to be able to go out to the community and contribute in whatever works for them and what's important to them. That includes mentoring, includes working in schools, it includes cleanup operations in the community. We also offer employees matching gifts. Um, and all of these things contribute to employee pride. They really are excited to work for a company that you can see tangibly the efforts that we're doing to have, you know, good stewardship. Yeah, I would say, you know, the the history of the United States over the last couple hundred years, sustainability and the topic of sustainability is relatively new, if you put that in perspective, Um, you know, and we're killing the planet, basically, you know, Mm -hmm. if if we continue on our path. And there are, 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 are words that you hear, and some are PR-related and marketing and buzzwords and stuff like that. But one of the words is circularity. Um, what does this mean, and how does it apply to Upanor? Yeah, it's a big word. You're hearing more and more about that, and I'm really glad about it. Um, I just talked on a panel yesterday, and I said that one of the things about circularity is that I feel like it gives a different, more tangible face to sustainability. Because as you said, we've heard about sustainability for a long time, but Mm -hmm. it's sort of kind of out there for a lot of people. You know, is it climate change? Is it pollution? What is it? What even can I do to help the situation? So from a company perspective, circularity, I feel, gives that more tangible face to it. So a little background first. Why is circularity important to us? Well, the American economy is really mostly linear. We extract natural resources from the earth, process them, use them to manufacture goods, use the goods, and then throw away when we're done. It's Mm -hmm. a mindset of take, make, and waste. And we do it because it's all about convenience and no one's really told us are telling us more and more, and we mm-hmm. should know this, but no one's really told us that convenience is also problematic. So the first step is showing how detrimental it is to be in this sort of waste mindset. And we need to move to one that's more circular, which is about words like rethink, redesign, reduce, reuse, and recycle. A lot of re in there for is that commercial stuff. 
So changing mindsets and, and paradigms are difficult for individuals and companies, but it's not impossible. So circularity at Upanor right now is top of mind in a couple of areas. One is our scrap. So our operations, we are all about continuous improvement. So we're already very lean and efficient in our production. But when you're making as much PEX pipe as we do, and when we adhere to very strong quality, there's going to be scrap. And so through the years, we've gone through a lot of different avenues in attempts to be circular. But if we couldn't achieve traceability that knows where it ends up in the long term, we don't pursue it. So currently, we're looking at two, um, these fall under circularity, two areas and two options, just chemical recycling, which turns a plastic waste into a type of fuel, or there's mechanical recycling, which turns plastic into new durable goods. And what we found is there's a lot of interest and ambition on the recyclers part to get going on this. They're doing a lot of research, but yet they don't have enough of the capacity yet to take all that we have to offer, or they can't find enough customers to take what they're producing. But this is because it's in its infancy, it's going to change. There'll be more and more of this. And with a little bit more demand, investment and time, I know that is going to take off. So we'll have more solutions for us. But also quickly, another area for circularity is product development. So in our stage gate process, now we're looking to be more intentional to consider, do we need virgin materials for whatever we're doing? Or can we produce it with some some uh, recycled material as well? So that's an aspect of it. Our packaging, how circular is and sustainable is our packaging. It's, it's still, you know, somewhat early in the journey. But the good news for me is it's not a philosophy anymore. It's a practice. So here's a dumb question. Do you, <laughs> do you think COVID in any way has helped reset the thinking on this, um, how we design buildings and how we, you know, interact with people on a, you know, a, a communal scale? Uh, I, I just, I don't know. I, I think maybe that was kind of a way for people to regroup and think about how we're, we're connecting and, and working with people. John, I don't think this is a dumb question at all. I think it's really important question for us to actually stop and think, what did we just learn from this experience, right? And Mm -hmm. I do believe that, listen, I want to be right up front and say, I know many people who suffered terrible losses and so much pain. And I reach out to all the parents who are homeschooling and just there's just been so much pain around it. So I don't want to discount that. But at the same time, I think a lot of good has come out of this whole experience, if we can look at it in that light, or at least try to learn from it, mm-hmm. you know, right away, the transportation stopped, right? You know, less planes, less cars on the road. And you mm-hmm. know, right away how things started to clean up. So we can see firsthand how we're contributing to the problem, right? I think it also, you heard a lot about uh, building filtration systems and air exchanges. And I yep. know our good friend, Robert Bean would be, you know, happy to yeah. talk about that. But the truth is that there were, we had to take a look at that. Even the airplanes were talking about their air filtration systems, how important it is for us and our health to make sure we have those good systems in place. So I think all that contributes to how can we do the best we can to build buildings that aren't making us sicker? And that is under the scope of, of green building standards. Um, you know, a good friend of mine, uh, Ron Jones of Green Builder Media, he, he would always say, we've been building for all these years to protect us from the elements. It's time for us to build to protect the elements from us. 
And I really think that that is a good way of looking at it. We, we really need to, to change our thinking. And I think COVID made us stop. Even on a personal level, I've always in you know the world of communications and whatever we're doing, living six months out, when's the next trade show? When's the next thing that's due? And during the pandemic, I learned to live more for today and just sort of take care of today. So a little bit of yeah. a different mindset too, which I think is a little bit healthier. I'm curious, you mentioned earlier the book Net Positive and you mentioned the authors, Winston and Pullman. Mm-hmm. Who, who else are... Your inspires you in the world of sustainability, be it a brand or individuals? Yeah, there's there's many. You know, you can go back to Rachel Carlson. You can go back to the great authors that are out there. I, I do refer to Andrew Winston a lot only because he's really focused on the business side. And I'm in that right now. There's organizations like Green Biz, though, that are really helping businesses to try to get smarter about specific just doing business or about circularity. Those uh, They have full conferences that are showing brilliant vision and brilliant ideas that are coming for the future. We have local organizations such as the Sustainable Growth Coalition in Minnesota that's helping us figure out to come together with different companies and share in best practices. Um, I think what I really value are those that show partnership, that help to show that we can't solve this alone. We have to do it um, together. And um, even one of the gentlemen on the panel yesterday, that I, he would point to people like Stacey Abrams and those who are able to create momentum in movements. The Ellen MacArthur Foundation is a tremendous resource for helping people understand sustainability practices. You know, the CDP, the, it's just, there's endless amounts. There was a, a movie recently on Netflix. Uh, it's called Don't Look Up. Did you get the chance to see that? Oh, Tim, I didn't or? see that. I've seen okay. it. So, you know, it's basically an analogy for, you know, just digging your head in the sand. Like there's an asteroid about to come and, you know, destroy the earth. But people, if you don't look up, you're not, you know, don't worry about it. It's not, it's not going to affect you until you're dead. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of an analogy of what, you know, the global warming and, and people are just, like I said, digging their head in the sand and just, hey, it's not my problem. So uh, is it hard not to get depressed about people that just don't? care? Yeah. I mean, the truth is, and I think you guys know this about me, I'm more of a Pollyanna by nature, probably mm-hmm. to my detriment, but um, it, it is hard. You know, there was an IPCC report that just came out that said, we're behind. We need to move faster in order to do that. But I don't think the message is, well, just we're behind, so let's give up. The message is we got to dig in harder. Yes, it's hard. And I, and I, and I just because we just passed Easter, I use the example that, you know, we've known about this for 40 plus 50 years that this was coming. This is not really new news. Yeah, um, It's like we've been wandering in the desert for 40 years in circles. That was the former version of circularity. Let's just wander and wander and yeah. ignore and put our head in the sand. But yeah. we're out of the desert now. And now it's time to really get uh, focused on what we can do. And again, individuals, we have to be recycling. We have to try to live the best way we can in the, in the, the most um, conscientious way that we can. But businesses have an important role too. And we have a lot of momentum with business because it brings so many people together at once. I, I feel like, you know, if there's life, there's hope and we just can't give up. You know, and I know people have been, yeah, climate change, oh, global warming and just ignoring it. But listen, it's in our faces now, isn't it? I mean, 
you can see that the temperature changes. This is scientific. The global changes in the weather, it's more fierce than it was before. There's a reason for that. There's more moisture in the atmosphere. This is why it's happening. We know the polar ice caps are melting. We know that um, there's raging fires happening more often and the, and the seas are rising. So, you know, you can only put your head in the sand yeah. for too long. You have to be able to take note. And the Greta Thunbergs of the world, another ins- person who inspires me, representing the youth saying, listen, this is our future and you don't have a right to use it all up. So I really think that um, that the youth give me inspiration too. And, and, you know, there's good leadership that gets it. Well, keep up the good work. We, we really, uh, we love Upinor. We love the products and we, <clears throat> you know, knowing that they put, you know, sustainability first and what they do is it just makes us respect the company even more. Thank so you. we we really appreciate the time. I know you know we got to jump off. You got to you got to run. But um, thanks so much. Good to see you. Um, so got, good to see you. Yeah. <laughs> also, I'd be remiss to to tell our audience that Ingrid was a recipient of the Carlson Hollihan Award. Mm-hmm. And I remember yeah. the day when you couldn't be there, and they put you on the phone, and I'm like, this. This is not her. This is, I mean, you were sick as a dog, I remember. Yep. See, I could have sang Janis Joplin that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was- no, I remember it. It was one of the highlights, to be honest with you, in my memory book of my career. Um, what yeah. an honor, and especially to be included with those gentlemen that are in there. It's really yeah. was shocking to me. Well, you deserve yeah, it. I yeah. Yeah. had not missed an AHR show in like 23 years. And that particular one I had to miss because I had pneumonia. And then I win it. Can you imagine the irony of that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. You were but, uh, definitely uh, sick. Several of them said it's the funniest exception speech ever. Yeah. Bill Gray on the line and me on a grovelly voice was yeah. in total shock. It was really fabulous. Right on. Well, Ingrid, thanks so much for joining us. It's so good to see you. I mean, I wish we could do this like every month. It's so I'm great so to talk to you. Let's come back together. Let's find more topics to talk about. I'd love to see yeah. you again. Okay. Yeah. It's it's Earth Day every day. <laughs> I love it. Yay. Go, yay, Mother Earth. Let's take good care of her. The Not Dead Yet podcast is powered by Mechanical Up Media and produced by John Masonbrink and Tim Ward. It is edited by John Masonbrink. Music presented by Jason Drum and graphics furnished by Wayne Rowe. Thanks for listening, and until next week.